Okay, Colossians 2, if you would. Good morning, everyone. Whoever was responsible for breakfast, thank you. From my belly. (laughs) Thank you. That was yummy. Are you excited about today? Is it too early on Saturday to be excited? Yeah, I'm excited about today. Um, You want to know why? Because I know the Lord's going to work. Yeah, and it's not some name it and claim it or some vivid hope or speak it into existence. It's it's actually, it's quite the, like I would hate those kinds of things. It's the opposite of that. Um, I know the burden of God. I, I know what he had us praying about when we were coming. I know He had what he had us praying about last night. Um, and I know he's, he's here to work among us. What a joy to have a God like that. Yeah, so I'm thrilled, thrilled that you're here. Colossians chapter 2, if you would, and verse number 6. Colossians 2, verse number 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Let's pray one more time. Lord, we need you. Uh, Praise God that you're here. Praise God that you've never never lost a battle. Praise God that you're infinitely willing to work in hearts and minds today. Lord, we know some things that we need to ask for. We need to ask for the Ephesians 1 prayer. Uh, We need that, Lord, not just because the Ephesians needed it hundreds of years ago. We need it here in this room today, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. We need that. We need revelation, so to speak. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, which is exactly what Jesus Christ taught in the upper room ministry. We need that today. And we know that we need that. Uh, Lord, we know that we need to pray that you would lead us into everything that you have for us. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, we come and we say that we want all that you have, that you have for us. Sorry, Lord, please forgive us. We have robbed glory from jesus christ by living on 30 grand a year spiritually when we hit the lottery at salvation and and what you have offered to us what you want for us what you have sought to woo us into is so much more and lord we've been willful i have been willful lord it's it's as i stand here today it's my greatest regret as a 43 year old man to choose to walk distantly from christ rather than intimately with for intimately with Christ. It's a form of willfulness. It's a form of self. It's a form of unbelief, Lord. In the Psalms, unbelief, the unbelief of Israel, it angered you. Lord, if we, if we're humble enough to ask the question, okay, was God right to be angry? Of course, instantly we come to the conclusion that you were right. The unbelief of Israel, it angered you. It dishonored you. Lord, my unbelief, it manifested itself in in a focus on self, a thinking poorly of myself, a thinking wrongly about life, a a not believing what you had said about me and a not accepting the intimacy that you desired with me. Lord, if my wife treated me the way I treated you, oh Lord, I would not want to be in that marriage. That would have been, that would have been, um, oh, that would have been no fun. Yeah, Lord, it's not right. It's not right that my wife treats me better than I treated you. That is not right. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. I know I don't have to ask for your forgiveness again. So thank you for grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, please, there, there are some things we know we need to pray for this morning. And then there's a vast number of things that we really do not know. 
And so we, we cast ourselves before you. We trust that you're the God that guides into green pastures, that guides beside still waters, that restores souls, that leads us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, that you're here, that the prayers of Jesus Christ as our intercessor are perfect. The prayers of the Holy Spirit of God as our intercessor are perfect. We cast ourselves not knowing what we need to say, not knowing what we need to ask for, certainly not being capable of leading ourselves. Lord, we cast ourselves at your feet and we say you are the source of everything that's good. You are kind, you are gracious, you are loving, and we're yielding. We're here to yield to you. If you need to show us sin, then then please, Lord God, please. We sang it last night. Search me, O God. Please, Lord. If there are if there are wrong thinkings amongst the people of God in this room or online, and you need to highlight that, that literally the tearing down of strongholds from Corinthians, false thinking that robs Jesus Christ of glory, that robs people of intimacy and power. Sin, Lord, Ephesians 4, sin opens the door for the enemy to reach into people's lives and and influence them. Lord, I hate that. There is sin. Lord, there's sin that needs to be dealt with so that the enemy does not have opportunity. Lord, we commit the, the meeting to you. We need you. What a joy to just confess that. We desperately need you. Yeah, clarity We pray for clarity, Lord, Holy Spirit, clarity, that you would just open up the word of God right before our eyes. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. Okay, so um, if you want to jot down a title, jot down Paul's advice for carrying on. These verses are so beautiful. There, there's so many beautiful, well, one incredibly valuable principle here, and then so many juicy little morsels that, that we're going to notice from the word of God this morning. If you would go to chapter one, verse 15, Colossians 1, 15, it says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. I'll just stop there. But all I want to notice is this book of Colossians is, is, is a wonderful book. And the theme, of course, is Christ. The theme is the glory of Christ, the excellence of Christ. And so right from the beginning, you notice that everything was created through him, Everything was created for him. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but, but I just want to start out by saying Christ is everything. Amen. Yeah. He's everything. In fact, that's one of the amazing things about this journey is you come to the practical living out of so many biblical realities, so many wonderful biblical realities. And one of them is that man, Christ really is everything. Christ really is the only thing that will satisfy. Christ really is the only thing that really matters. And when you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything else kind of fades away into nothingness to where it's so genuine, right? The things that we sing all to Jesus, I surrender all to thee. I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live, right? These things become a reality and such a joyful reality that nothing else matters. And if you get away from that, and I mean like three inches away from his presence, you're like, Oh, I got to get back. Right. And you end up hating sin. Why? Because it destroys intimacy with God. Right, I have like six reasons that, that I hate sin that I didn't used to have 
Um, and, and, but the number one reason is that it destroys that intimacy with my savior. And that is life. Like Dan said it last night, I will gladly repeat it. I would rather die than lose intimacy with Christ. And I'm not talking about my legal relationship with the savior. I cannot lose that. Amen. Yeah, I mean, let us affirm these things. Like, these things are so incredibly valued. That's the foundation that we build on. But I can lose intimacy with Christ. And man, sin, it messes that up. I, it, yeah, I'd rather die. I would rather go into eternity than lose um, intimacy with the Savior. So, Christ is everything. Um, he's our reconciliation, our revelation, our perfection. This is just walking through chapter one. Um, the education, or he's our wisdom from above. And in the fact that Christ is all of those things in chapter one and then two, one through five leads us up to our verses for today. And then he says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So, we're going to talk about a walk, right? This is why we titled it Paul's advice for carrying on. He's not telling the Colossian Christians how to get saved. He's telling them how to press on, right? And th- this is so beautiful. So speaking of walking with God, this is my wife's theme for the year. Um, I greatly admire my wife and I love it that she does this every year. She sits at the Lord's feet. She prayerfully considers what God has for her and she picks a theme. And so for her theme for this year is walk with God. And I love watching the Lord work work in her life. She comes home from these physical walks with God whenever possible. She comes home with the most beautiful reports of of what the Lord is doing in her life and the things the Lord is teaching her. And and um, yeah, like she and I would both say the same thing. We didn't even really know worship walks existed not long ago. And it's it's amazing, like to go on an adoration walk with God, to go on a worship walk with God, to go on a prayer walk with God. Um, there are times that you're walking along the beach and you'd be so burdened, right? And I just begin to labor in prayer and the Lord will just say, Scott, just relax. Like just walk, just walk with me the way you walk with your wife, right? Just spend time with me, right? I'll lead you when you're supposed to travail. I'll lead you when you're supposed to supplicate, right? For now, just enjoy my presence, right? This will be the, the real theme of what we talk about tomorrow. Um, let me give you one example. I was sitting I was sitting, there are people living in our basement. And so um, I was sitting at the dining room table um, at studying instead of in, in my office where I would normally be. And the Lord filled me up so much on this particular day that I was just like, ah. Oh. And, and the Lord, he just whispered, right? Scott, go on a walk with me. And so I was like, yes. And and I jumped up. I grabbed my little 15-pound dog <laughs> that, that I love more than I probably should. And uh, um, I put his little leash on him, and I started walking. I made it 100 yards down the street, turned right. And then, um, forgive me, I don't know a different way to explain this, but I just burst. The only biblical understanding that I have, that I, the way that I know to explain it is out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. And please let me say that this has not been my normative experience in my Christian life. But I get down, I get around the corner, and I just was so filled up that I just burst. I mean, you could say I exploded, if you like that word, if you like that word better. But I just burst into worship. And, and it was the most delightful experience. I mean, it was one of the greatest times of my life with the Lord. Um, I had the leash in my hand and I just lift my hands to the Lord like this. And my little dog is trying to keep up, you know, and, and I'm just walking along, just worshiping God and, and, um, just, just couldn't get the words out of my mouth fast enough. Right. It's just gushing forth. 
And so I walked along for like three or 400 yards just like this. And then, and then, um, this, this gushing forth kind of stopped and I started to drop my hands and, and then I knew the Lord's encouragement, Scott, keep your hands up. And so I, I just said, Lord, I will do anything for you. I will go anywhere for you. You are all that I want. If this is what you want, I will so gladly do this. And so I'm walking along. I've got the leash over my hand, you know, walking along and, and it's 1.1 miles around this big block. Um, and so I'm walking along, right? And, and please let me tell you, every time a car passed, I only passed probably five or six cars, but every time a car passed, like I remember the first car passing, by the way, I wasn't pretending. I wasn't like, oh, look at that in the tree, you know? And, and like, I wasn't hiding what I was doing. Um, I know full well how, how society looks at religious fanatics. Like I know that I grew up, I grew up with all of that, you know? And so I know. And when that first car passed, I remember that little twinge of, you know, I wonder what people think, you know? And, and I actually said to the Lord, this is a good way for me to die to myself. And so I just kept on around and I just kept praying, um, kept talking with the Lord, got around to this side about halfway around the block. And then I started being creative. This is my natural tendency. Oh Lord, you could use this this way. Oh Lord, you could use this this way. Oh Lord, it'd be neat if you use this this way. Right. And I knew his encouragement, keep your hands up to me. And so I just was like, yes, Lord. Yes. And, um, so on I go. Right. And pretty soon when I was thinking of all these, these ideas, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Um, you know exactly how you want to use this. Like, I don't need to lead you. I don't need to give you my ideas, right? I just need to obey you. So on I go around the block. And long story short, I get all the way 1.1 miles around. I'm almost back to my house, right? And I've, I've done what the Lord has asked me to do. I had the most amazing time with the Lord on that walk. And then I got all the way to the end and um, another car drove by. I felt that little, that little pinch. Like every time a car drove by, I felt that. And, and then one more time, the, the Lord, he just looked at me and that quiet place with him. And, and he said so clearly, he, he said, Scott, you don't humble yourself to walk with me. I humble myself to walk with you. And I just, I just, I just right at the end of my walk, I just said, amen. Right. This is the greatest privilege of my life to be, to be a man who enjoys a friendship with God, a man that gets to walk with God every day. By the way, is that a unique, I know we all know this, but is that a unique privilege for me? No, it's a privilege for a child of God. Amen? Amen. Yeah, and yet I've been, I don't know, forgive me for not being more gracious. Um, I've been stupid enough that I've neglected that. I'm a serial neglector of intimacy with God. I'm a worker, right? I'm a worker, right? That's what I do by nature. That's what I do, workaholic. I'm a serial neglector of the quiet, intimate place with Christ in that, in the cultivation of that love relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's what Paul's talking about walking with God. I mean, he's not talking about going around the block, right? But he's talking about pressing on. And I want you to notice this incredibly valuable principle. This is point number one in my outline. I only have two points, by the way, that we're going to notice. Point number one is you carry on just how you started. This is so important. An admirable servant of God that we were with last week, the Lord radically changed his life and set him free with these verses and with this principle. So what's the principle? You carry on just how you started. What does that mean? It's as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So let's unpack it. How did, how did every person in this room that knows Jesus Christ as savior, how did every one of you get saved? 
by grace through faith, right? In fact, this is so important. Don't, don't turn for sake of time, but let me read it. I mean, this is one of the first memory verses we ever learn in our lives, right? For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, this is so incredibly important. Like, let's follow Pauline theology of how we press on in the Christian life. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So what's the point? The same way you got saved, that's how you progress in the Christian life, namely by grace through faith. So if you were a group of unsaved people here this morning, by the way, there very well may be an unsaved person in this room. There very well may be multiple unsaved people in this room. Boy, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, man, come to him today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You have no idea what you're missing. If you were a group of unsaved people, I would be pleading with you to come to Christ by grace through faith, right? Okay, so since you are vastly a group of saved people, what am I going to do? According to Paul's instruction, I'm pleading with you to come to Christ by grace through faith. It's right there in the scripture. How did I miss this? It's right there. How do we progress? Have you ever watched somebody just wrestle over getting saved? Do they just wrestle? Have you ever watched that? Right. The angst in a life, the conviction of sin, they don't they struggle to grasp it. I watch the same exact thing in the believers. It's the same principle. What holds people back from Christ before before salvation? Past sin. Present weakness, future failure. Like these are just some examples. I walked up to a guy in a park, right? He, he this years ago, he, he said to me, I can't live that Christian life that you all live. Is he right? Yeah, he's right. Yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right. I didn't know that when he said that to me, right? But he was absolutely right. You, he can't live it, right? We need to affirm that, right? And then lead him on past that, of course, right? Past sin, uh, present weakness, future failure. Like these are the things that people honestly, humbly throw out there. I have tried to do better. By the way, if you come to the end of this weekend and if you are burdened, not not with God's burdens, but if you are burdened by the false notion that I am saying to you, go home and try harder, I would weep on the plane home. That is not what I'm saying. That is not what I'm saying. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go home and pray more. Right now, this path will lead you to more prayer. Absolutely. But I am not saying go home and try harder. I'm saying that by grace, through faith, yield to what God clearly reveals in his word as his desire for you. And that is the cultivation of an intimate love relationship with him from which everything in your life will flow. So by grace, through faith, what are the things that that hold believers back in this journey? Past sin. That could be an issue in this room. Likely is an issue in this room. Past sin. Believers let the devil beat them up over these things. That's why you find verses like in 1 John 3. You find verses scattered around the word of God, right? That deal with this forgiveness. That you're free. Romans 6. Right? You find these truths, essential truths in the word of God. Past sin holds Christians back from the intimacy that God wants. Um, Present weakness. Future failure. The fear of future failure. There was a time in my life when I was really zealous. 
There's a time in my life when I, all I wanted was what you're, what you're describing. But, but I failed. And then, and then they, I see this thousands of times over. And then at that point, the Christians are afraid of, of trying again because they tried and they failed before. We need to put our faith in someone that doesn't fail. Not just, not just for salvation, right? Well, it's still salvation. It's present tense salvation. Not just for initial salvation, being born again, but, but we need to be saved from a life of distance rather than intimacy, a life of compromise, a life of adultery, a life of idolatry, a life of prayerlessness, a life of just playing with American toys rather than seeing souls the way Christ sees them, right? We need to be saved from these things by grace through faith. Right, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Power for holiness, power for intimacy, power for service. This is the journey that the Lord that the Lord wants for his for his people. So he says, "As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him." There's a couple that I know on Spanish wells named Weldon and Carlina. They're a delightful young couple. A couple times ago when I was on the island, they, they showed me their wedding video and it was so, it was so fun. Like he sang to her in, in her, in their wedding and she's crying, you know, and I mean, it was just so fun to see the whole thing. So imagine this, right? Young couple right up here, Weldon and Carlina. And, um, and they say, I do, I do. He sings to her like all this beautiful ceremony. They're so excited. So much has gone into the planning and the anticipation and the prayer and all the rest of it, right? And then right as the, the officiant pronounces them man and wife, he doesn't even wait for his wife. He just, he just goes, yes, right? And he just heads down the aisle, out the back door. He gets on a fishing boat and he goes out to sea. Would that be shocking? Right. And people are like, never seen that before. You know, and then, and then five weeks later, they come in from the fishing trip. I mean, maybe they would be gracious. Maybe they would think, yeah, well, maybe the boat just had to go and he just couldn't afford to miss the trip. And, you know, so you're being gracious with them. And yet they come back from the trip. She's living with her parents. He gets off the boat, put, turns in his lobster, gets his check and goes right back to his parents, to, to his parents' house. It wouldn't take that many days before people would think, what on the world is going on? And you'd go to him and you'd say, what are you doing? And he'd say, no, I'm good, right? He pulls his marriage certificate out of his back pocket and he says, no, I'm good. Look, I am legally wed to, to Carlina Pinder, right? I'm married. I always wanted to be married. Now I'm married. Praise God, right? And, and now I know it's ridiculous, but, but it does serve to prove a point that it is unthinkable. The idea of having a legal relationship but not living in the good of that relationship is unthinkable amen right and so what paul is saying is look how do you get into a legal relationship with christ by grace through faith but 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 what do you enjoy more the fact that you have a marriage certificate or that you get to live with the person that your soul loves I have a marriage certificate, August 3rd, 1996. I stood before God and man, and I married my favorite human being of all time. I adore her. I love her. I have not looked at our marriage certificate since that day. <laughs> now, am I thankful that, that we have a legal relationship? Yes, that's the foundation that sets me free for all the rest of it. I'm thankful for that. Absolutely thankful for that. But the living, breathing enjoyment of my wife so massively dwarfs the legal relationship that I don't ever even think about the legal relationship. 
It's just the living out of the good of it. And Paul is saying, how do you get into a legal relationship by grace through faith? How do you press on into the cultivation of a love relationship with the most amazing person that you'll ever meet in your entire life by grace through faith? I'm not going to do this. Like, don't get uncomfortable. I'm not going to do this. But I just feel like I'm getting closer and closer and closer. And I'll never, maybe I'll never get there. But I'm getting closer and closer and closer to having Christian altar calls. Like, I want this so bad for God's people. I labor in prayer for these things. And I've seen the Lord set thousands of people free in North America. We've seen the Lord set people free in Scotland. We've seen the Lord set people free in Northern Ireland, right? It's been an incredible privilege. Like this, from my perspective, this is the great work of God that he's doing in North America right now. Why? I love this. Why? Because a church that's full of Christ is an unstoppable force. Judgment begins with the house of God. He's setting things right. Why? Because he's more committed to our fruitfulness than we are. He loves you. We've accepted a compromised Christian life that he's not happy with. And so he's working to correct it. How do we get there? We submit. It's exactly the same way you got saved, right? If you were unsaved, how would you, or if you're talking with someone that's unsaved, how would you counsel them? And it's the same thing. You come to Christ. He's the way. Same as, as the upper room ministry, right? Lord, we don't know the way, right? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And I love the Lord's answer. It's not just a gospel verse. I love the Lord's answer to Thomas. I am the way, right? In this journey, I am the way. Like that phrase is so vitally important. So you come to Christ and you yield and you say, by grace, through faith, I give myself to you. I want everything you want for me. I trust you. On a given day, I trust what you show me. I trust what you don't show me. I'm holding on to my shield of faith. And, and all I care about is you. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I'm waiting, yielded and still. You just offer yourself to him. It's the same as, it's the same as salvation. This is an incredibly important principle in the word of God. Um, yeah, incredibly important. So let's, let's pull this apart. As you have therefore received, received means to appropriate alongside. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Now, this is beautiful. I, I can still remember when I discovered this. There are two parallel tracks of thought that go through these two verses. And this is so helpful. There is, there is received Christ Jesus, the Lord, right? And then walk by definition, walking is making progress, right? Like you can't, you can't just go stand in the parking lot and someone comes up and says, what are you doing? I'm going on a walk, right? Walking by definition implies movement, right? And so, so received and then walk. And then you keep going through the verse rooted and in the Greek, that is, that is having been rooted. And then you keep going and built up in the Greek. That's constantly built up. Right. So so in one picture, he gives you the idea of making progress forward on a walk. The other picture, it's like a skyscraper where you're constantly adding floors. There's never a point in the Christian life. Biblically, there's never a point in the Christian life where you're not adding floors. You're constantly being built up in him. Right. And then it even keeps going beyond that. Established. We'll talk more about that word in just a second. Established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it 
with thanksgiving. So three times in the verse, he goes back and forth from a, from a positional truth or a foundational truth to a truth spurring the people of God on. That's really, that's beautiful in, in the verse. So walk in him, built up in him. It says it right there in the verse. Vincent says, the whole upbuilding of the church proceeds within the compass of Christ's personality, life, and power. In other words, Christ is everything. He's everything. That Christ may be all in all to, to his people. So point number one in the outline, you carry on just how you started. If there's any fear, just remember, it's the same as how you got saved, by grace, through faith. You just come to Christ. Come to him. Offer yourself to him. Receive his gift. It's the same as salvation. Excuse me. Point number two, two essentials for going forward. Two essentials for going forward. I love it that this is how Paul guided the Colossian Christians. Notice verse number seven. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So I want to focus in on two words with the time that we have left. This is two pieces of advice for moving forward. Number one, we must be established. And I I love this. What does the word established mean? It means to make firm, to make solid established in the faith. This is the faith, right? We're going to notice the same thing in the book of Jude tomorrow in the will of the Lord. This is the faith. It's not, it's not your belief in God. It's the body of truth that was once for all delivered to the saints. So it's the body of truth. You're established. You're solid. Have you ever looked at a Christian and and said, that's a solid brother? Have you ever said that? Like, could we agree? William McDonald is a solid brother. He is the number one, one volume Bible commentary in all of the world, right? I mean, he's worldwide regarded as a solid brother. Amen. Right. That's what this word means. There's a woman in Toronto. I stayed with she and her husband. She'd be horribly embarrassed by this. Um, I stayed with she and her husband. Her kids told me she would never, of course, mention this, but her kids told me that in their high school homeschool years, she taught them four years of Latin, four years of Hebrew, four years of Greek, right? I heard that. I was like, wow, right? (laughs) I was like, I can no longer speak with this woman. (laughs) I'll say something wrong. You know, I mean, she's just, she, she, I'm not going to tell more detail. I don't want to embarrass her, but that is a solid woman, right? That's what this means. This means established, solid, to make firm, right? Unwavering, on a firm foundation. And I'm so happy to emphasize this because Paul emphasized it. Nobody speaking on behalf of God would ever make any suggestion other than we need to be 100% thoroughly biblically solid. In fact, what is revival? We started six or seven years ago praying earnestly for revival. What is it? It's a newfound conformity to the word of God. It's the Christian life properly lived. It's the Christian life lived how the Christian life ought to be lived if we were biblical. But because we are what we are, we tend to gravitate away from those things. And so the Lord comes down in his power. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He comes down in his power and he radically sweeps the Christians. He conforms them radically back to the Christian life properly lived. So the only suggestion of what revival is, 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 is a biblical life. Nobody would ever, right, make any other suggestion than we need to be solid. And so, so here, I'm happy to say this. I, Scott DeGroff, in the presence of God, here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. I refuse 
to live any other life. And I'm saying this because I know it's the will of God, not based on me, but based on him. I refuse to live any other life than a life that is solid, solidly based and founded on the word of God. Amen. So I love that. I I love that. And then the next word established in the faith, as you've been taught abounding, right? So the word abounding, I love this. It means cause to be more excessive to a very great degree. That's so important. I'll read it again. Cause to be more excessive to a very great degree. What is that word modifying? If you pull this verse apart and, and just, just do the exposition, what is that word modifying? Well, you find Christ Jesus, the Lord at the beginning of verse six, is, is it saying abound in your relationship with Christ? Just think. No, if you really pull this apart, that word is personal. It's a personal pronoun. It's dative, singular, feminine. What's it modifying? It's modifying the faith, right? So it says it right here, rooted in, in, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So abounding is modifying faith. What that means is you need to be constantly walking forward with Christ. You need to be constantly built up in him, right? Never ceasing to add floors to your Christian your, I mean, he adds floors because of our yieldedness to in our Christian life, abounding in the faith. So, so I love this, that this was in the heart of the apostle Paul. This is his advice. You need to be solid and you need to be abounding. Now, please notice this. This is really my points of application. These two things do not contradict. It's not an either or. It's a both and. I've seen this all over the word of God lately, and I've delighted in it. There's so many things that you see this. It's not either or like intimacy and reverence. Christ was both of those things. He was intimate with the father. And yet he was heard according to Hebrews. He was heard because of his godly fear. So here it's not an either or you don't have to choose a life where you're either solid or abounding. And if we choose a life where we are either solid or abounding, we are a horrible argument for God's people. We must be both. It's the will of God for us to be both. Amen. We must be both. And where we are falling short, we must cast ourselves at the feet of Christ and allow him to lead us into both. Now, you're a unique assembly. I don't want to try to embarrass anybody, but you're a unique assembly in North America. I know I'm being broadcasted, but I love, I love this assembly. It is such a treat. It is such a privilege to be here. It's going to be such a joy to watch the living God work in your lives today and tomorrow. I know that that's his will. I can't wait to see what he does. Wherever we fall short, he knows perfectly where you all are falling short on the spectrum of solid and abounding, right? Some groups would really struggle with being solid. More of our groups, we all know this, more of our groups are better at being solid, but they're not abounding. Why are, across North America, why are young people, when I say young people, I mean my age and down, <laughs> why are young people bailing at such a rapid, a rapid rate? What are they looking for? I think we all know this. They're looking for abounding, right? And they're basically saying, I cannot stomach solid without abounding. 
I will not tolerate. This is what they're saying. I will not tolerate solid without abounding. And so they're coming to the conclusion, some of them, I must go somewhere else to find abounding. Can I just say something as a personal testimony? I'm getting to the place where I can't blame them. If a group refuses, now I don't even think, to to my knowledge, this doesn't even apply here. But if a group refuses to let the Lord Jesus Christ lead them into being both solid and abounding, I can't blame sheep for eventually saying, I'm going to go find both, right? They They can't even articulate it. Like it's hard enough for me to articulate these things, especially young people. They don't even know how to voice these things, but we must allow the Lord. So I said, here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. I will not live a life that's not solid. And let me, this is what I'm actually much more passionate about. Here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. I, Scott DeGroff, in the presence of God, refuse. I absolutely 100% refuse to live a life that is not abounding. I will not live that Christian life. Because it's the will of God for us to abound. I love this. I love the way Paul the way Paul says it. The same way you got saved, that's how you press on in the Christian life. You must be solid. You must be abounding. If we're not either of these things, right? Jesus Christ is the truth. We, we honor the living word of God by honoring the written word of God. That's solid. Jesus Christ would be the most joyful person in this room if he was here today. He'd be the kindest person in the room today. He'd be the most zealous person in the room today. Do we believe these things? Zeal for thy house hath eaten me up, right? If we're not zealous, we're not like Christ. He's both of these things. And he would lead his people into both of these things. So with the time that we have, um, let me make two recommendations for books. And then, um, and then I'm going to sit down and let us answer back to God in our prayers. Um, book number one, Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray. My daughter for Father's Day gave me the 31-day devotional, Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray, and it is utterly delightful. By the way, he has a chapter on these verses that are utterly, it's utterly delightful. So Abiding Christ by Andrew Murray. And then I'll also recommend a book called They Found the Secret. You can get They Found the Secret through Gospel Folio. They're not the publisher, but they're a distributor of it. In fact, not long ago, Gospel Folio told me it was the number one book that they were selling at that point. I want to say one little thing about that book, and then I'll, I'll pray and, and sit down. Um, the first couple chapters in that book, there's 20 chapters of characters from church history who found the secret of walking intimacy in intimacy with Christ. And it was a journey for them. And these are very well-known people that, that I think most of you have, have heard of, like Dwight Moody, right? Walter Wilson. Like these are very well-known characters from history. The first couple chapters, they use theological language that I wouldn't use. <coughs> But I'm 100% okay with recommending the book because the journey they're describing is biblical. They're just using words to describe the journey that I wouldn't use. Does that make sense? So, so what they're describing is biblical. They're just using terminology I wouldn't use to describe it. If you get past the first couple chapters, then they are using theological language that, that I would use to describe to describe this journey. It's a life-changing book. I could name so many people around North America and beyond whose lives have been changed as they, as they went, as they went through that book. So I heartily recommend. They found the secret, abide in Christ. So two points, right? You press on the same way you started and two essentials. We must be solid. Uh, we must be abounding. Let's pray.
Lord, this is um, such a gift just to be able to sit here at your feet. Ravenhill, uh, your servant who's with you now. Uh, he said once upon a time, my favorite times of prayer are the times that I say nothing at all. Lord, it would be success just to sit here in the sunshine of God's love. It'd be success just to sit here and bask in the regal glory of the throne room of heaven. We're seated in the heavenlies in Christ. By faith, we can see you seated there. Lord, this is, this is the people of God's opportunity to cry out to you. And so we pray that you would guide us. We pray that you would cause us to pray in the Spirit, as directed by the Spirit, as empowered by the Spirit, as emboldened by the Spirit. Lord, we read your word. We want to respond. All we want for today is what you want. Lord, I'm excited to see you move. I'm excited that, that you can overcome obstacles in this room. Lord, we commit our prayer time to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.